You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome back for another installment of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, the talk that makes your body rock. This program, of course, is dedicated to helping you find that most important, most elusive, and most precious of all things, the perfect orgasm. Now, before we get started, I want to remind all you listeners out there that if you're searching for naughtiness on the internet, and we know you are because that's how you found me, make sure you're visiting our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys, because when you're in the market for an adult toy, or if you just need help getting that perfect adult toy, Adam and Eve is the source to go to. Head on over to Adam and Eve Toys today, and by being a renegade listener, you're going to get one hell of a deal. Use special code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, they're going to give you 50% off of one item, but that's not all, no, 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 they're going to throw in free shipping, three choice adult movies to get you inspired, and a very special renegade listener gift. So... Let me tell you this, the folks over at Adam and Eve definitely know how to treat you right. So make sure you head on over there today and pick out something very naughty for you, a friend, or maybe just for me. Also, don't forget that the Renegade Talk Radio Network is growing every single day. There's a brand new website. That's right. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Not right now because we got a whole show to get through, but after the show, check it out. And it's so much easier to find all your favorites. So make sure you've got the website bookmarked. Make sure you're checking out all the other fascinating and provocative shows on the website. We've got Cannabis Talk with Patty Cakes, Queen of the Cannabis. Political Insight from Luke Colagiovanni. Deep Insight into Conspiracies with Everly Isby. And as always, Hilarity and Thought-Provoking Hijinks with Richie and Sammy the Sausage Man. And you can also check out my new show, The World in My Eyes, where I get to talk about all the things that are going on in my world that make me think or cringe or laugh or, you know, just listen to the voices in my head for a little while. And don't forget, we have more great talk radio on its way to you, so make sure you're checking back daily because I promise you, you're not going to want to miss what's coming up next. And... If you've forgotten who I am, we have spent a great deal of time getting very intimate with each other. But just in case you're new to the program, I am the naughty mistress with the mostest, the melodic goddess of getting it on, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing that I will ever ask of you, my dear listeners, is that you keep an open mind. Put aside what you think you know, sit back and relax, and we are going to run down this crazy road of life together. But don't ever forget that orgasms are nature's way of saying, life sucks ass, but here's a little candy for you. And on today's episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, we're going to have some real fun. I've been so excited for this show. I could not wait. We're taking a break from working on ourselves to look at the world around us. And this week, we're looking at the tried and true art form that is 
burlesque. And no, I'm not talking about the shitty movie with Christina Aguilera in it. We're talking that popular form of entertainment which began way back in 1840. That's right, burlesque was used by working class performers as a way to mock the upper classes, their traditions, social habits, culture, and fashion. And many of the performances were spoofs of opera, Shakespeare, and other classic literature and plays. The performances relied mostly on mockery and played to the audience's desire for laughter and lust. Due to the naughty nature of the performances, burlesque usually targeted working-class men, but as word spread, it drew a wider audience, including some women keen to witness this social taboo. And today, burlesque is a hot topic again. In fact, the Pussycat Dolls began as a burlesque group before beginning their recording career. Today, however, it is more than about empowering women, encouraging them to embrace their sexuality and femininity, and to be confident in expressing themselves in a sensual way. So, let's salute burlesque and talk about whatever happened to the teas. There are so many debates regarding the differences between burlesque and stripping, but nobody can argue that the two are intrinsically linked. Burlesque was simply the precursor to stripping. By the 1950s, burlesque was all but a memory on the Broadway stage, having found its new home in the nightclub stages and on the road at carnivals and fairs. In New York City, there still existed a handful of burlesque houses, but their numbers were on a severe decline. But burlesque in nightclubs was an industry on the rise. While you would assume that this would be a good thing, it's been argued that this deluge of new acts was one of the primary reasons that burlesque fell from its former glory. Rachel Glasscock, author of Striptease, From Gaslight to Spotlight, argues that the talent pool within the scene became diluted and that performers with no notable skills began to populate the stages. By the 1980s, strip clubs such as the Seventh Vale in Hollywood were packed with strippers and pole dancers. Ecdysiasts still worked the stages, but burlesque was, for the time being, gone. The big props and exciting gimmicks of yesteryear had been abandoned as performers began to focus more and more on the strip element of the show. The shows in the nightclubs were a far cry from the glamour of the Broadway heydays. Instead of being set on a pedestal of the vast stages of grand theaters, performers found themselves on much smaller stages and often only inches from their audience. No longer were burlesque performers untouchable, iconic goddesses, beautiful and out of reach. Instead, they were suddenly right there. As performers struggled to outdo one another with more exciting props and gimmicks, they struggled too to find their footing on the ladder of fame, and the coveted crown of burlesque queen became nothing more than a nostalgic memory. As topless go-go dancing took hold, the pasties came off, 
and pretty soon the panties were cast aside too. After all, who wants the tease when they can see it all? As the 1960s and 70s led into the 80s, the iconic image of the all-American stripper girl became the face of burlesque art of the time, and it was all about the high-waisted thongs and fishnet stockings. Burlesque was but a rose-tinted memory for those who were there at the time. Some performers retired and moved on to other work. Some made their way into the world of strip clubs. Burlesque may have been long gone from the stages and all but forgotten, except by a select few. But nobody would have predicted how the art form would make a return. It is true that burlesque and stripping began in a very similar way. The original burlesque dancers of the early to mid-1900s are sometimes referred to as the original strippers. And the pole that's used during strip performances is actually known as a burlesque pole. However, burlesque had its origins in literature and satire. Burlesque was originally meant to make fun of certain social conventions and events, and modern burlesque performances reflect this. Stripping, on the other hand, was generally never meant to have a wider meaning beyond the exotic dancer removing his or her clothing. Where the intention of stripping is for money and the physical performance, the intentions of burlesque are a performance within the broader context of the show it appears in. The intention of an exotic dancer stripping is most often physical. They show off their bodies and the way they can make their bodies move for money. Burlesque dancers, on the other hand, intend to entertain the audience in a much different way. Burlesque dancers aim to make the audience laugh, and because burlesque is rooted in satire, burlesque dancers usually do not want to be taken too seriously, especially in their performances, which are for fun. All right, my dear listeners, we're just getting started with today's topic, and before we get too far into it, we do need to take a moment to visit our sponsor and maybe check out a little music. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. Meet me back here, my little heathens, after the break. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com.
Welcome back, Renegade Nation. And if you're just tuning in, this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina. And I am Naughty Nicole. And today, we're talking about some good old-fashioned fun. Burlesque! And I hope that during the break that you visited our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys, and you checked out their vast selection of toys, movies, and costumes. That's right. Get yourself a costume so you can get your burlesque on later on tonight. So let's talk about attending your first burlesque show and what to expect. Now, it's worth noting that due to the worldwide rise of burlesque over the last few years, there are many different kinds of shows out there, from the seated dinner in a show affair to shows that merge with clubs, clubs or small local pub shows, to massive festivals hosting performers from all over the world, and it goes on and on. That being said, not every show is going to be the same. So we're going to have to make a few generalizations here, so stick with me. First off, much like the movies, no one likes people milling about during a burlesque performance. This is theater, people, and you must, must, must Respect the performers and the other attendees. Most shows open their doors between 30 minutes to an hour before the show begins. This gives the audience plenty of time to arrive, mingle, find their seats if it's a seated event, get some drinks, and get comfortable before the stage action begins. It's generally a good idea to get in before the show starts if you can. Obviously, this is going to vary depending on the venue and the setup. Now, you might be lucky and be able to sneak in unnoticed at the back if you happen to be late, but nobody wants to be that person trying to enter quietly and having to push through, especially if you have seats up in the front row, once that show has already begun, so make sure you arrive in plenty of time. And don't be the noob that we have to yell, hey, down in front! As a general rule, burlesque shows are hosted by a compere or a host, sometimes a hostess. These fabulously engaging, multi-talented individuals are tasked with the enormous job of basically being the glue that holds the show together. They create a rapport with the audience, they introduce the acts, and if they're good, they weave a seamless magic that flows throughout the show that makes everything gel just right. If they happen to have additional skills, like for example, many hosts are also singers, they'll often drop in a performance or two of their own between the other acts. Without the host, you'd be looking at a series of disjointed, seemingly random performances with nothing that ties them all together. So the role of the host or hostess is crucial. So let's talk about what's in the show. Burlesque shows are often split into two, maybe three sections, with intervals between that allows the audience to top off their refreshments or patter their noses or whatever. Each section will be comprised of a number of acts. If it's a cabaret or variety show, as opposed to strictly burlesque, then as well as the striptease acts, you might see magicians, comedians, circus acts, and more. Now, I've always had a deep fascination for burlesque. In fact, one of my favorite movies just happens to be Gypsy. And I'm constantly reminded that not everybody is privy to my particular fascination. 
So remember that what I'm telling you is not a definitive list or, you know, anything that sets the record straight about what to expect at a burlesque show. As with any live performance, the best way to experience burlesque is to see it in person. Because the acts are as uniquely different as the performers themselves. Burlesque performers are not given a script. They come up with their own stage persona, their own concept for their act, and they choose their own music, they choreograph their own numbers, and most of the time, they create their own costumes. It is this do-it-yourself spirit and complete control of one's image that is so appealing to performers and audience alike. Some performers like to keep their acts in the vein of the classic burlesque, bedecked in beautiful gowns, panels of skirts, boas, fans, gloves, stockings, etc., etc., while others will create acts influenced by popular culture, politics, current events, or other familiar archetypes. What you need to remember is the acts are like many plays. Each act has its own narrative, story, tone, and message. The ending of the striptease act may be more about a resolution of the tension of the story or delivering a punchline than it would be about the solely physical reveal. That being said, the reveal and the message are often intertwined and can be dependent on each other. Burlesque acts, like other narratives, take the audience on a journey. So be prepared to go on a journey. And just so you know, you probably won't see a parade of girl-next-door realness at a burlesque show. No, these are my people. The makeup is excessive, the hair is big, and the costumes are elaborate. The performance style is more like clowns, buffoons, and drag queens. The burlesque condition known as Swarovskiitis is a serious affliction that compels performers to want to put rhinestones on everything. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. Expect to be blinded by the sparkle. <laughs> Remember, there is no fourth wall with burlesque. With most traditional theater or performance genres, there's always an invisible fourth wall that divides the performer from the audience. There's no such thing in burlesque. This is what makes burlesque more participatory and engaging than a typical entertainment experience. In fact, the audience is an integral part of the burlesque show, and it is that carnivalesque spirit that is so much fun for audience and performer alike. I really can't think of any social situation where it's not just acceptable to scream at a performer as they perform, but expected. Audience members don't have to sit, hands folded in their lap, and wait to the end of the show to show their appreciation. They do it along the way, with claps and hoots and hollers, and screams of laughter and approval. And guess what? It's how the performers like it. And an audience at a burlesque show does tend to be mixed, and the demographics will run the gamut from grandma to girls out for a night on the town. Although it does depend on the venue, producer, and the show, burlesque tends to be very woman-friendly. Rarely do you see a primarily male audience, except maybe at the boylesque shows, and in those they don't even let the women in. But couples are frequent attendees. 
But, just a warning, you should expect some blue humor and blue content. Some would argue that blue humor and content of burlesque is its most important and defining characteristic. But like at a burlesque show, you might have to wait for that blue content. Furthermore, blue humor does not necessarily have to be explicitly dirty. It can be the simple implication of a double entendre or the delivery of a line with a wink and a nudge. So you might have to put your thinking cap on or you might miss the joke. Modern burlesque is a thinking person's performance art wrapped up in a sparkly package. You may want to be up on current events before you come out to a show. Politics and social commentary are often very central to burlesque acts. And even when it's not overt, there's still something political about performers doing whatever they want on stage, force-feeding it to an audience, and getting the audience to beg for more. This can be terrifying to those who want to keep established gender roles in place, and is often a driving force behind fear of censorship of burlesque or burlesque performers. And if there's one thing that's been consistent about burlesque since its inception, is that it's parody. Parody was an intrinsic part of burlesque, even before striptease emerged. In fact, to burlesque a thing means to poke fun at it. Nothing escapes burlesque's parodic grip, and it is this inversion of high and low that is the delicious raison d'etre of burlesque. So don't be surprised if something you hold up as sacred is poked fun at, or something you think frivolous or possibly deviant is celebrated and elevated. That is exactly what burlesque does. It inverts social norms, pokes fun, and ultimately is meant to be fun. Comedy is the central tenet to this fun. And last but not least, make sure that you expect the unexpected. And I know you're going to say, wait a minute, I just went to my first burlesque show and it was not what you described. Welcome to the world of burlesque, honey. If there's one thing that I've learned from burlesque is that the only thing that you can expect is the unexpected. As with any kind of live performance, the best way to experience it is to go to a show. Go with an open mind and expect to be entertained. All right, my precious listeners, it's that time again. We need to visit our sponsors. So take out a moment and check out what they have to offer and meet me back here after the break. I'm Naughty Nicole, and you are listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. We don't sugarcoat shit. (laughs) This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. 
And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. And if you're just tuning in, where the hell have you been? You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I am Naughty Nicole. And today we've been having some randy fun and talking about burlesque. And it's been so much fun today. And I really don't want the fun to stop, but I am going to change gears for just a moment. Recently, I came across a story that I thought you, my dear listeners, would appreciate. Mostly because the theme of this show has always been about being positive about ourselves and others. And I felt that this story really epitomizes the theme of this show. Just as burlesque performers don't take themselves seriously, and, by the way, many of the best shows that I've ever seen have real-life women who love themselves and their bodies in them. I thought that this story was going to be perfect for closing out this particular show. As you know, I've always been about body-positive attitudes, and I think we should do more for each other to accept and love ourselves. And I'm going to share this story that I found, and I hope that you'll agree. Recently, a UK-based woman by the name of Michelle met a single dad on Tinder. After a nice conversation online, they set up a time to meet for their very first date. After a couple of drinks at a local pub, Michelle and her date moved on to a restaurant where he bought her a nice dinner. Afterward, they took a stroll outside, arm in arm. Then he walked her to the train station to say goodnight. They even shared a sweet kiss. Michelle went home excited about this date. She could tell it was successful and that the two had some really great chemistry. But the next day, Michelle was stunned when her date from that night sent, a, sent her a text message. The text of it is so disgraceful that Michelle decided to share it with the world in the form of an open letter, along with her amazing rebuttal. The post went viral, and people everywhere applauded Michelle for her inspiring words to women everywhere. And I'm going to share them with you now. Michelle entitled her blog entry, Tender Date, and it went like this. On Monday, I met, I went on a first date with a man I met on Tinder. We met in a pub. After a couple of drinks, we moved on to a restaurant. He bought me dinner. We strolled arm in arm on the South Bank. He walked me to the train station where we kissed. It wasn't earth-shattering, but all in all, it was a fairly standard pleasant evening. The next day, I received the following message from him. And, be warned, it does get pretty nasty. Hey, Michelle. Sorry been super busy at work today, hon. Thanks for, your one, for a wonderful evening last night. I really enjoyed your company and actually adore you. You're cheeky and funny and just the sort of girl I would love to go out with if only my body and mind would let me, but I fear it won't. I'm not going to bullshit you. I fucking adore you, Michelle, and I think you're the prettiest looking girl I've ever met. 
but my mind gets turned on by someone slimmer. Shallow? It's not meant to be. It's the same reaction you get when you read a great author or see an amazing image, or listen to a piece of music you love. It has that instant reaction in you that makes you crave more. So whilst I'm hugely turned on by your mind, your face, your personality, and God, I really, really am. I can't say the same about your figure. So I can sit there and flirt and have the most incredibly fun evening, but I have this awful feeling that when we get undressed, my body would let me down. I don't want that to happen, baby. There are certain triggers that fire my imagination into life, and your wit and intelligence are the beginning of that process, which would inevitably end up in the bedroom with just one result. I'm so disappointed in myself, Michelle, because I've genuinely not felt this way about anyone in ages, but I'm trying to be honest with you without sounding like a total knobhead. Personal note, you failed. Back to what he has to say. We could be amazing friends, we could flirt and joke and adore each other, and, fuck me, I would marry you like a shot if you were a slip of a girl, because what you have in that mind of yours is utterly unique, and I really, really love it. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm trying to avoid bigger pain in the future by telling you now, so we don't have to go through that embarrassment. I'm a man, with all the red-hot lusts of a man and all the failings of a man, and I'm sure of my own body and its needs. Please try and forgive me. I adore you. Her response to this was priceless. And it went like this. Dear man I met on Tinder. I was on another date when I received your message. He returned from the loo to find me in a flood of tears. He was lovely but baffled and hasn't been in touch since, funnily enough. You don't have to fancy me. We all have a good friend who we look at ruefully and think, you're lovely, but you just don't tickle my pickle. We wish we were attracted to them, but our bodies and our brains don't work like that, and that's fine. What isn't fine is the fact that, after a few hours in my company, you took the time to write this utterly uncalled-for message. It's nothing short of sadistic. Your tone is saccharine and condescending, but the forensic detail in which you express your disgust at my body is truly grotesque. The only possible objective for writing it is to wound me. And I'm ashamed to say, for a few moments, it worked. You stirred a dormant fear that every woman who has ever had a teen who was ever a teenage girl has. That it doesn't matter how funny you are, how clever, how kind, how passionate, how loyal, how determined or adventurous or vibrant. If you're a stone overweight, no one will ever find you desirable. I like the way I look. I don't look like Charlize Theron, and that's fine. I look like me, and I like myself. I'm sure I'd like Charlize Theron, too, if I ever met her, because I hear good things. You might think, you may think, are all my profile pictures are FGASs. That's fat girl angle shots, pictures from angles that slim and flatter the girl. Because men only ever use candid, brutally lit, unfiltered pictures. But I think they're a fair representation, and I'm a pretty upfront about who I am. I describe myself as a woman who loves pizza and include links to my Instagram page where I have the everybody's ready bikini shots I took on my 30th birthday. I like to think I come across as a confident, happy woman, but could this be the very reason you have targeted me? 
Did you see me and think she has far too high an opinion of herself? She needs bringing down a peg or two. I have to ask. We all know the Internet is a dangerous place to be a woman with opinions. I discovered this firsthand when I ventured a response to those obnoxious, bloody adverts. I showed your message to friends who expressed shock, horror, embarrassment on your behalf, and a, and a desire to cause you actual physical harm. One male friend told me I have a lovely bottom, if unmarriageable. I laughed with them. Then I cried in my Slimming World group. That's right, Slimming World. You see, I already know that I'm overweight. I can tell you exactly how overweight I am. Twenty pounds. I've already lost fifteen, and I have a stone and a half to go. I'm happy with that. I will get rid of it safely and healthily. Does that mean that I can't love and enjoy my body now? Fuck no. I'm never, I'll never see or hear from you again. You may feel the need to respond to this blog. Please don't. There's nothing you can say that will make me think that you're not a disgrace to your gender. What truly concerns me, the real reason I'm responding so publicly, is the fact that you have a 13-year-old daughter a talented illustrator who collects manga comics and wants to visit Japan as soon as possible. I want you to encourage your daughter to love, enjoy, and care for her body. It belongs to her and only her. Praise her intellect and her creativity. Push her to push herself and to be fearless. Give her the tools to develop a bomb-proof self sense of self-esteem so that if, I'll be kind, I'll say if, the time comes that a small, unhappy man attempts to corrode it. She can respond as I do now. Simon, kiss my exquisitely unmarriageable arse. P.S. Slip of a girl? Christ alive, that's creepy. P.P.S. You're not 5'11". Bravo, Michelle. Bravo. Well, we've come to the end of another episode, and I hope that you've enjoyed today's ride. Maybe you learned something, or you just liked the ride. And if you did, don't hesitate to let me know. I would love to hear from you. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com, or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you're liking what you hear, then pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional, Confidential Admissions from Social Media, available on Amazon.com and all other major online booksellers. That's our time for today, and I want to thank you for joining me for Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to join me next time so we can get down and dirty again. Until then, remember in the immortal words of the burlesque queen herself, Dita Von Tees, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world, and there's still going to be someone who hates peaches. That's right, Michelle. He's just an asshole. See you next time, my precious little heathens. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.